0: You in a super duper mood, Carl, because we're going to have a super deluxe edition of uh, one of my favorite superheroes today.
1: We'll talk to our guest, Martin Cassis from Apatheosis Comics. It's the anniversary of Spider-Man. But in our conversation about Spider-Man, around 11 minutes, we'll talk about She-Hulk. Around 19 minutes, we'll talk about the Sandman and X-Man and the Umbrella Academy and Daredevil and Deadpool. And then around minute 39, we'll talk about 3,000 Years of Longing, Around minute 48, we'll talk about Ms. Marvel. Around minute 55, how to sell your collection of comic books. Around one hour, we'll talk about the new movie Breaking. And then around one hour and seven minutes, we'll wrap it up with the weekend roundup.
0: Well, I feel very (laughs) maternal towards Tom Holland. So I'm just putting that out there.
1: And then you saw him in Cherry and said, (laughs) what the hell was that?
0: Yeah, I don't want him. I don't want him going there. (laughs) I want him as Peter Parker. Well, we have a guest today that knows a lot about Peter Parker and the amazing Spider-Man. And welcome Martin Cassis from Apotheosis Comics. Hi, how are you guys doing? Good. We're so happy that you uh, are returning. Well, it's actually the first time you're being heard about (laughs) your big Spider- Amazing Spider-Man event kicking off Saturday.
2: So, Mm -hmm. so, Yeah, so tomorrow we're celebrating 60 years of Spider-Man, which is, you know, you just talked about how they're always trying to portray him as a young guy. It's kind of hard to believe that this eternally young character is actually 60 years old um, you know, which that the fact that he's been around since 1962 and has like, you know, infiltrated every little piece of Americana uh, culture is pretty phenomenal. But um, you know, I maybe this speaks to my age, but I remember being a kid when they were celebrating the 30th anniversary of Spider-Man and uh, here we are celebrating the 60th. So I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. When do, I- do you
1: have a favorite, uh human actor as Spider-Man slash Peter Parker,
2: man. You know what? I, uh, I, I'm a Toby, Toby McGuire was my Spider-Man. Um, I'm still kind of nostalgic to him. I love what Tom Holland brought to it. I love what Andrew Garfield brought to it. But if I could say who my favorite Spider-Man actor of all time is, is probably the voice actor. And I forget his name of the Spider-Man series, uh, cartoon series in the nineties. Uh, which is a pretty definitive Spider-Man in my in my uh, case.
0: I remember that one, and I remember how it took off because that was around the time that Batman: The Dark uh, the the mm-hmm. cartoon was happening, and Batman uh,
2: animated series, yeah,
0: yeah. So I remember that. Well, I really enjoyed the last Spider-Man movie, No Way Home, because of their integration of all three movie Spider-Man's I thought that was genius move and so do you think that that has renewed interest in Spidey
2: I think that definitely for the movie Spider-Man you know what Marvel learned when they did uh Endgame and really what the secret formula of Marvel has always been is that people want to see their different movie characters interacting with each other they want to see these fights and they want to see how they would get together because for us the movie universe is one big thing where, uh, you know, characters like that can exist and and meet up all the time. Um, So I think that it definitely renewed interest in another trilogy of Spider-Man films for sure. Um, And I think that it also kind of gave, and I hope to God they picked up on this, that a lot of studios kind of now understand that what people want to see is more cross-pollination of characters um and uh i hope to god they keep doing it because it's
1: great that's what that's what into the spider-verse did so well by introducing (laughs) miles and introducing the other spider they were you know people forget you know we're in phase four which is all about the multiverse into the spider-verse was the first one to do something like that
2: and that was
0: brilliant and well you
2: know i mean yeah yeah and i uh um oh man i forgot my point i was gonna say on this but yeah, it's. It's kind of mind-blowing that we would do a story like the Avengers, and uh, oh, actually, I'm sorry. This is what I was going to say. This is what I was going to say. Um, it's the one thing that, like, now when now they're in phase four in the Marvel Studios version, um, or sorry, Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Yes, yeah. But the Disney shows, like, I think one of the things and the biggest gripe of the TV shows have been is that there's not a lot of cross pollination of characters. Like, you would think that at this point. Sam Wilson would come in, or if they're in New York City, Spider would be swinging in the background. And one of the things that a lot of movies have kind of missed the boat on is that guest stars is what sold comics. Like in the second or third issue, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Captain America, somebody would come over. Silver Surfer. Yeah, yeah, just out of nowhere, inexplicably, he would be there. And, um, you know, they did this a lot with Superman. In fact, in, in the 80s, Grant Morrison wrote one of the greatest cameos ever of, of Superman and it was animal man was kind of like wandering around the, the, the DC you know rooftops and Superman just kind of plopped in just to say hi and then left. And like, that was like, it was billed as, Hey, Superman's in this issue. Come check it out. Uh, but that, that's what, you know, literally leaders, doing nothing, literally do nothing, but he appeared in the book. So, readers would go pick it up and uh you know i think because you even back then
1: you wanted to be a completist i've got every superman comment since i've been alive
2: hey it worked for me because i went and found that book i saw it (laughs) online i went and bought it uh but you know i think that's what fans want to see so let's just give it to them
1: so what you were saying before the 90s superman was it was a kids show in 1994 and it was on uh, Fox Kids because they had right. the X Men going on at the same time. And the funny thing about that was it's Christopher Daniel Barnes, who was also the voice of Prince Eric in The Little Mermaid. Oh, really? Yes. And, it, and Ed, Ed Asner was J. Jonah Jameson.
2: Wow. Oh, see, I thought it was also, wasn't he also Greg in the um, Brady Bunch reboot that came out in the mid 90s? it was the same it was the same actor I think.
1: Yeah 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 he he played yeah he played Greg. Mm-hmm. In in the uh in the movies
2: with oh, the Shelley he played, Long. He, he played Barry Williams's yeah. role. Okay. Yes.
1: uh uh-huh, right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
2: Um and then he also came back for the video games. There was like a Spider-Man game that came out in mid 2010 somewhere and he did he did the voice of that as well. Uh-huh. So yes,
1: so yeah. Fox Fox was very good at that in the 90s. I loved the X-Men show. But they oh. they even had a lost opportunity then. They could have had any of the other Marvel characters join the X-Men show.
2: Oh, yeah, I mean exactly right. They, I think they at the end the last two seasons of both Spider-Man and X-Men well they had a crossover with whatever properties Marvel Comics could uh legally show on TV. Um and it was one of these weird things where like they could show I think it was the the human torch could show up because the cartoon show they had in the 80s or the 60s, they only had licensing for Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, and the Thing, but for some reason not the human torch. And so they created Herbie the Robot for the <laughs> cartoon show. And so I think that's why Human Torch could be in the TV show because some kind of weird licensing thing. Of course, at that well, time, I, Marvel was selling off every character they possibly yes. could to make money.
1: But all of those, all the that X Men series is on Disney Plus right now, so you can watch them. And if you are an X Men fan, the only real accurate portrayal of Dark Phoenix is the X Men '90s cartoon show, because every yeah. every time they've tried it in the movies, it's been awful.
2: No, you're right. And, I mean, people forget that it's... Because that's, like, an eight-part uh, show And yeah. uh, the cartoons, which is how long the actual storyline the was. Like, was. There's, like, yeah. a lot of stuff going on all over the place. And, you know, one of the things that's funny about 90s cartoons versus now is that, you know, a lot of the Emma Frost and the Hellfire Club, uh, you know, they made their... The women wear like, basically dominatrix lingerie. And in the 90s cartoons... They that's what they wore. Like the, the women were like in these like skimpy bikinis with capes on on kids TV shows. And we didn't think anything of it. And <laughs> uh, but, the, but
1: they were the ugly. They were the ugly yellow with the big X on them. But they were still very busty.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And 90s uh, cartoons didn't they they didn't uh, hold anything back.
1: Yeah. But also, D.C., had Batman, the animated series, which was pretty dark for a kid's show.
2: It was. What well, you it, know, when, yeah. that, when that show first came on? I think they aired it uh, on after school on Wednesdays. Yeah, like four o'clock. Yeah, yeah, four yeah, o'clock. Yeah. I remember because the kids would watch it. And then they started airing at nighttime, like a uh, second airing, like seven o'clock at night, uh, because it was so dark and it was so adult. Um, but man, man, you talk about a bunch of series that really hold up over time. Like those really do. Yeah. In fact, when when Disney Plus first premiered, everyone was going over to the Mandalorian. And I was like, Spider-Man, boom. I'd watch, I I was like up at 4 a.m. watching Spider-Man cartoons on on, on my TV. Well, the Disney
0: Plus has really done a great job of of perpetuating the Marvel characters because of all the TV shows. And I know you guys are big fans of She-Hulk.
1: I mm am. Now, now, Martin's probably only seen the first two episodes while Lynn and I have had the joy of watching the first four.
2: Oh
0: my God! Is but, that right? But yes. I haven't. I haven't seen. You the... didn't.
1: Oh my gosh! It. Oh, gets... I... There's a joke in episode three that is very, very. First of all, the show is hilarious. The first what you've seen, basically, Martin, is nothing but exposition, and Jamia Jamil's only been in one scene, and we're we're on episode four. I'm sorry. I'm on episode four, yes. and she hasn't appeared yet they talk about her but she has and you know they're making her out like she's some big character i mean there are five episodes for me left yeah and i'm guessing she's gonna be on the downhill but she was only in that first scene in the first episode but i guess she's gonna be the big bad because she's she sets something up in see in episode four that should last the rest of the
2: season Titan- titania does yes okay okay yeah, I am I'm really loving um She-Hulk. Um I think the first episode was great. The music was amazing. Uh the pacing was fantastic. Um I really liked all the the in episode 2 there was a really great joke where uh Jen is talking spoilers. Jen is talking to uh Bruce who's on a ship, you know, flying off somewhere. And Well, if uh, you if you look
1: at it closely, it's one of Jeff Goldblum's ships. Oh, really? yeah
2: specifically okay okay so uh i mean so i think they're definitely setting up world war hulk that is a thing that's happening he's going back to sakar um but he said when jen called and asked if she could have permission to represent emil blonsky hulk said oh that was ages ago i'm a completely different person it's a great and joke she, and she looks at the camera and she goes ha ha and it goes back. That was so great. That was she, that she breaks, breaks the
1: fourth wall, which I understand is how the comics were that she broke yeah. the fourth wall all the time. Mm-hmm.
2: That I think started happening. In John Burns run in the mid eighties. I don't think she had done it before. Um, you know, I think she had Savage She-Hulk Then she showed up in the Avengers and then she had two graphic novels. Uh, and then she appeared in a couple backup issues, uh, backup stories of some issues. And then John Byrne really is credited for reinventing her as this independent woman, um, really kind of fleshed out her um, legal career. And, um, I mean, just did like so much more with the character that really kind of set her up for the next couple of decades. And of course, I mean, I think the best one, in my opinion, is the Dan Slott, who was also a writer of Spider-Man for over 10 years. Uh, he did a really great run with she Hulk back in the mid two thousands that, uh, you know, still holds up to this day. It's just, it's just phenomenal work.
1: Well, there's a, there's a line just like the totally different person from episode two. There's a line in episode three where she says, okay, I get it. It's not going to be a, uh, how, how do I do this without spoiling it? It's not going to be a cameo of the week show even though we right. had a separate cameo every week. So so mm-hmm. Bruce is Bruce is no longer on the show starting from now, because as you saw in episode two, he goes off to space mm-hmm. unless they're going to uh, put a crawl in there. But we we don't know anything about that yet mm-hmm. unless unless we do. But that now for the next two episodes, there is going to be a different major Marvel character in this
2: uh is was he shown in the trailers probably and he and
1: and a scene from uh she hulk is in uh shang chi
2: oh yeah i wanted to ask about that to see who you got uh because that's abomination is in
1: shang chi and right who he's fighting That takes, which is weird because the timeline is kind of weird on Shang-Chi because you see Bruce in a sling at the end of Shang-Chi and you find out in the, at the beginning of episode one, he doesn't need that sling anymore. So, and you also know that he's gone off to space. So has he been replaced by a crawl? That is what people are going crazy about right now.
2: Oh, you know what? I hadn't considered he could have been replaced by a scroll. That's a good idea. He, um, I thought it was some kind of continuity error that they messed up, but that makes a lot more sense because that, that would be pretty sloppy for them to screw that up. Yeah, because uh, it's,
1: it's horrible because the end of that movie, they're all just sitting around and he's got his arm in a sling and it's, it's very telling that he says, your blood fixed my arm because they could have just right. left it out. <clears throat> right. And they no, no, don't never, do anything yes. accidentally that way,
2: yeah, interesting. Oh,
1: nerds we're ner- we are nerding out on single <laughs> lines and single scenes in movies and television shows that I think this is the thirtieth property of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It well,
0: might be it, it, it might be, but it's endlessly fascinating. And I really enjoyed what if
2: well, ok. I'll, and- I'll say there's one character I'm waiting to show up in She-Hulk, and it's this guy, uh Frogman. That guy <laughs> is—he is just a classic dumb Spider-Man character that wow. uh, you can't, you can't, you can't hate him. Look at him. Don't,
0: well, speaking that. of Spider-Man, because it's the 60th anniversary of his mm-hmm. appearance in Marvel Comics, Apotheosis is gearing up for big week-long celebration. Starting mm-hmm. on Saturday, August 27th, with a pancake and waffle breakfast mm-hmm. at, the, at the grand location. And I was, I stopped by the shop yesterday and I was checking out, and they are making grab bags and they were getting everything ready for the big festivities. They're going to have all sorts of things, Carl. So anybody who's a Spider Man fan needs to stop by during the week. What are some of the key highlights, Martin, of the week? Well, the, the biggest thing is that
2: we've got, uh, uh Dan cakes, which is the local. I love Dan. Louis. Yeah, they are fantastic. They're going to be coming by making some Spider-Man artwork pancakes for everybody. Uh, we also have a waffle iron that we're going to do with some Spider-Man waffles. Um, so it's going to be a great time. It's just a really fun way to, you know, I, 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 we did an event with Dan Cakes a couple of years ago that I'm trying to figure out another way to get him back in the door. And this seemed like a really good reason for it. Most importantly, it's just a really good way to get new readers involved in comics. And uh, you know, one of the most family friendly, best entry points in the comics is Spider-Man. So um, every every adult has got a, a Spider-Man story they love. They like a certain movie. Kids dress up for him, you know, every year for Halloween. Um, so and
0: pajamas, my and great pajamas, nephew yeah, has Spider Man pajamas.
2: Masks. Yeah, so they're gonna do. Um, so we're hoping just to kind of really get kids started and uh, get some new readers started on some Spider Man love again. And to, to kick it off, one of the things that they're doing is they've got this special commemorative issue of Amazing Fantasy 1000, which this is um the. I mean, it's Amazing Fantasy was the title that started. As you can see, was the title that started. Uh, the whole uh, Spider-Man universe. So he was created in a, the the cover date is June 1962, but it was actually released in August of 1962. And um, from there, he went on to they put him in his own book because the book sold so well immediately after an amazing Spider-Man. A couple months later, and uh, it's it's he's been you know a cultural zeitgeist ever since. So we're really really excited. And there are some really great stories. I mean, this is. I had a chance to read this the other day and amazing fantasy 1000 is it's got 10 different writers, a bunch of artists, uh, colorists, inkers, letters in there uh, of appreciation from other creators, but it is just a love letter to Spider-Man. And so they just asked everybody, Hey, do you have a story you want to tell about Spider-Man and Marvel? Let them tell it. Neil Gaiman's got a story in here. Dan oh, slot's wow. got a story in here. It's a, uh, John, uh, Jonathan Hickman's got a story. Um, but it's a really good read. I, I really, I really, really do love it.
1: Speaking of Neil Gaiman, did you watch Sandman?
2: I did watch Sandman. I am very uh, happy with it. Um, Are I you happy the, about the
1: bonus episode?
2: I loved the bonus episode. That was a great little treat to get. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, it appears that they're kind of adapting the first trade of stories, which is great because we have, because we sold out of volume ones really quick. And I'm able to sell volume two to say, "Hey, here's what's come up next season." If you'd but, like uh, to be
1: spoiled about what you're going to see, and he has yeah, right, big, exactly, yeah, he has a
0: big cutout of the Care a Sandman in in the shop, we so do, you have go we get do, your picture taken
1: by him. Well, sexy and, Morpheus. Speaking of uh, other TV shows, Netflix has announced that Umbrella Academy season four will be the last one because they've run out of source material.
2: That's right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so there, there are three different arcs of the umbrella Academy and this, the first two seasons took up the first one, which was longer. And mm-hmm. then uh, is this season Dallas or is next season um,
2: this season? I feel like this season is Dallas, but I think because they haven't adapted, I haven't seen the latest season yet, but I think is it hotel oblivion? I think is the next one.
1: Okay. Um, I think that's
2: the next yeah next time.
1: I watched the first episode and it is uh, their their father has replaced them.
2: Yeah, oh yes, yes, I did see that part, yeah, right.
1: So yeah. but anyway, they're running out they Gerard Way said, "You know what? Uh, this is probably a good place to stop. I don't need to make any more comments because my chemical romance is touring again." So he doesn't well, have and, time.
2: You know, there, there's a really good um uh, David Lindelof is doing a podcast on, uh, forget the, oh, shoot to the New York Times. He was talking about Hollywood IP and the, you know, he famously did Watchmen, uh, yeah. two years ago. And it was one season. He's like, we're done. We're, we're done. We don't need to go back to the well, told the story. And he's right because, you know, you kind of run this risk of dragging it out. And certainly with real life actors, it's a lot harder to do because they get older And he learned, he
1: learned from lost.
2: He learned from lost. Yeah. So, you know, and this is a problem that's running with Spider-Man is that he's been going for 60 years. Um, with the current run, there's a kind of a lot of this sense of people, there's this, this joylessness about the character that's going on this newest run that people are kind of like, man, you know, Peter, get your life together. I mean, you are you've been doing in Marvel continuity, let's say he's at least been Spider-Man for 15 years. You know, let's just say that he's and over that so he's been some, from 16 to mid 30s, he's probably maybe let's say he's probably in his late 30s, maybe early 40s. If we had a friend who had his life so out of whack like that, we would sit him down and try to be like, dude, you got to get it together. Like, what do, what can we do to help? You're a mess. Um, now in so, the current
1: run is he is he currently married to MJ or are they on the out no. still?
2: they. so the last season ended last uh, Amazing Spider-Man run ended with them kind of getting back together in this one they are completely not together at all um, she's dating somebody else and it is heartbreaking to see them but uh, it, 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 the point I was trying to make is that Damien Lindelof and Jared Way know that it's when a story has ended and it reaches conclusion Put it away. Uh, you don't need to tell any more stories. Let it sit, and um, you know it can. People can create their own stories off it or not. But just kind of let a work lie, and you know a a, a book closes for a reason because it's the end of the story, right? And I think I think we kind of need more of that in some of these these movies.
1: Well, that's that's what I liked about Spider Verse because you had different ones where MJ was in peter's life and you had mj when peter's not in his life you have the story where aunt may has passed away and some of these and they're all verging and they're all they're all needy <laughs> they're all mm-hmm. peter parker is a very needy uh person with a lot of issues yeah <laughs> but know, i did, did
2: i go ahead oh well there is something for as you know, narrative storytelling where um you know, a character can reach the end of their story arc and the title can continue on um, because I think that's one of the important things about having legacy characters and why Miles Morales is, and, and, and Spider-Gwen are so important, not only to show um, diversity, but also just to really show that you can, someone else can pick up where you left off. You don't have to do this by yourself. You can stop and, you know, someone else can take over for you. And I I would honestly like to see with um, the next 60 years of Spider-Man's life or or a character, uh, you know, whatever. Let him retire. Let let him him retire. Pass the torch. Pass the torch. Let all these characters go, you know, um, and let's let them kind of, let's explore somebody else trying to fill those boots because, you know, we all have mothers and fathers and we all have to you know, step up and kind of some of us have to run the family business or following our father's or mother's footsteps. And there's a, there's a story to be told there. And there's a lot of ground to cover that you could really get into. And, and I think it, it's, it's, it'd be interesting to see, um, you know, in Spider-Man actually, they did have, they tried twice. Well, they tried one time to retire Peter Parker during the clone saga of the nineties, but that became so convoluted. They couldn't do it because Spider-Man was going to have a baby. He and MJ left, and it was like a perfect exit. But then it got so ugly and weird that they had to bring Peter Parker back. And there's also another title called Spider-Girl that came out in the late '90s and continued into the 2010, where it was Spider-Man and Mary Jane's daughter, Mayday Parker. Spider-Man was retired. She and MJ had another baby, and it was just him like helping his daughter become Spider-Woman, and it was great. And that could have you could have easily have done that, but um you know I, I think that it might be there's some good storytelling that's going to come up in the next 20 years in dc comics or they're gonna have to really start exploring this because the next thing that dc has to worry about is their characters spider-man i'm sorry <laughs> dc's characters superman and batman are coming up to uh they're going to be in public domain territory they will be a hundred characters a yeah. hundred years old and their storytelling is not going to stop. So
1: well, Batman, Batman has passed the mantle off several times, but he's still yeah. a major character. Right. right now exactly. he's
0: that now he's the emo Batman. But <laughs> uh, what, what we're saying about uh, the relationships that Marvel builds with characters, I really enjoyed the relationship between Tony Stark and Spider-Man. And I thought that was wonderful. And then when he was confronted with the, the loss of Tony Stark, I thought that was a really nice arc there. So I thought mm-hmm. that they did have some emotional heft into that, but the uh, you were telling me why you like Spider-Man so much. So tell Carl why you like Spider-Man so and much.
2: the
1: audience Lynn. Yes. Oh, right.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that the, the, everlasting appeal of Spider-Man is that he could be anybody underneath the mask. And when he first debuted, he was the age of the comic book reader. And as a lot of those guys got older, you know, and now they're in the eighties, they became the writers and they could draw upon their own experiences. And Spider-Man became a little bit more mature, but Spider-Man has always been the, um, the lens that you would see a normal person could get into the Marvel universe. He's and an accidental re- hero. Exactly. Right. Yeah. He does the best he possibly can. And, and when I first really got into Spider-Man, obviously when he was, when I was younger, he was really good, big character because he was on everything. And he was the most prominent character in the nineties. But when I really started understanding his characters, when I lived in Chicago, when I was 20, 21 years old and, uh, I picked up this like volume of Spider-Man comics from issues 75 to uh, 54 to 75. And in the stories, Spider-Man was like, he was so broke, he couldn't afford to make web fluids. He had to jump around town. He was getting fired from jobs because he was always late. He uh, you know couldn't afford, you know, his rent. He was trying to date. Uh, nothing was really working out for him. But he kept getting back up and kept trying as hard as he could to be not only a good person but a good friend a good uh, you know son to Aunt May and there was something about that because at the same time I was also struggling to pay rent trying to find a job uh, you know trying to find a girlfriend mm-hmm. and um, it was very relatable kind of what Spidey was going through um, and even in his early 20s I kind of felt that same thing too so there's a lot of relatability with spider-Man
1: so are you a create your own web shooter guy or are you happy with out of your own arms
2: the organic web shooters are so weird (laughs) but it does it
1: does make
2: sense well yeah but he'd be shooting out of his butt though if he did (laughs) that's that's the thing uh you know it, it makes sense sure uh but uh, I love,
1: I love that scene in no way home where they're just all fascinated by it.
2: Yeah, that's a really good scene. I do think that it kind of helps reinforce that Spider-Man is one of the smartest members of the Marvel universe. uh, Even As as a teen and he is, you know, unappreciated because he's silly and goofy and doesn't take things seriously. And, and, um, and so I do like to kind of like secretly. Under, after he takes off his mask, he's like you know this ultra bright guy that's trying to figure out how to how to mask his uh, insecurities by telling jokes, but in doing so, makes no one take him seriously.
0: Uh, do you think? He's oh,
2: good. He's also an excellent sewer because he made this costume uh, <laughs> you know, when he was a teenager.
1: Do you think that? Well, two questions. One, do you like where they've put him now with no one? ned nor mj knowing who he is
2: um uh, there are a lot of possibilities
1: no. with that oh you don't care yeah for that.
2: no no because i mean again he's been spider-man for half this guy's life now he's been spider-man some people should know and he should be he should trust enough people to know that um you know, who he is. In fact, there's a really great story in this book, Amazing Fantasy 1000 that talks about that. Um, you know, and it's kind of like Batman, like he should, if he was as inspiring enough, he should have been able to bring up people around him to help and to follow his lead. Um, But, but what, what kind of stories do you think can come out of that?
1: Well, I, I'm curious because in Dr. Strange 2, they ask about mm. Spider-Man and, we oh, don't... I'm sorry. Were you talking about the movies or are you talking about the comics? Both. Okay, okay. Both. In Doctor Strange 2, they mentioned Spider-Man. They're like, do you know Spider-Man? And you, they never knew if at the end of No Way Home, Doctor Strange says, I'll learn to know you again. But in Doctor Strange 2, they say, "I know who Spi- I know Spider-Man but he doesn't say he knows Peter Parker. It's it's the way that they're doing this whole phase four, hopefully there is a roadmap for it. And it's yeah. it reminds me a lot of the comics because you're not sure what's going on.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to say like where he's going to go with the, the next trilogy or however they make Spider-Man appear in the movies. Um, but you know, we, we kind of in comics, it's just kind of a way to repackage old stories and to, you know, like how many times can the
1: green goblin show up?
2: Right. And we, we kind of know what happens when Ned finds out or when Aunt May finds out or whomever else finds out that his secret identity is. And, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of going back to the, to the well again. And so I, I, which is why I'm kind of like okay with them retiring characters, because you know there's only so many times you can do that story. And, yeah, like Green Goblins back now, and Spider-Man is gonna be working for him. I think that's what's happening in the new book. but he, yeah, uh, um, that's actually what this show here. <laughs> he is working for him. But um yeah, I think there's there's only so many times where you gotta kind of like the, the the villain's gotta look at himself and be like, dude, You know, I, if you were a boxer and you lost 500 fights against one guy, you would never box that person again, right? Like they would never allow you back in the ring. It just wouldn't happen. Well, also,
1: Uh, also we, it's shown in the comic books that Peter Parker can destroy Kingpin if he wanted to.
2: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Spider-Man's, you know, Spider-Man's one of the, could be one of the most terrifying heroes if he actually let loose And if he didn't have a different sense of morality because he's so strong, he's so quick um, and there's a lot more he could do if he didn't have this like sense of uh, great power and great responsibility, which I which I guess is the point of his story uh, and what makes him so unique.
1: Do you like the fact that they've kept Kingpin
2: away from Spider-Man so far? Yeah, again, because uh, there's other things that uh, that well has been tapped too many times. And I think that there's more stories that Daredevil could be. I'm sorry, that um, uh, Kingpin could be told outside of Spider-Man. And well, right honestly, now Kingpin,
1: I, Kingpin might be on the Echo show. And I think he's going to be on the Daredevil, Daredevil reboot, too.
2: Oh, for sure. He For sure. Is. Well, I think that, you know, Frank Miller really took uh, Kingpin away from Spider-Man. And uh, made him a daredevil villain uh, in the in the eighties with Born Again. There's just there's just in my mind, Kingpin is not a Spider Man villain. He is a daredevil villain.
1: Well, he was. He was. He was.
2: No, he was. Yeah, he was in the very beginning. And John and graduated. Great. He graduated. That's right. Yeah. There was. He moved on to somebody else. Uh, and uh, his Spider Man stories were great, but Frank Miller took him and made him into something else, and that's the daredevil villain.
1: I'm looking forward to whatever I'm hoping I'm look, I'm 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 I want to be cautious about this. The best banter in comic books is between Deadpool and Spider-Man because they both have a great sense of humor. And so far, first of all, for legal reasons, but now that they're, they will integrate Deadpool into this, but by then they might've Spider-Man might not be in the movies anymore.
2: You know, I think they should do, instead of Spider-Man 4, they should do Marvel Team-Up, uh, Spider-Man, and then like, how awesome would this be if at if at Hall H in San Diego, you know, Kevin Feige's re- revealing all the different titles that are coming out for the next wave, because there's a lot of missing spots there, and one of them is Marvel Team-Up, Spider-Man, and Deadpool, and that's how they bring them both back. Like, that would be something incredible, because it'd be different, it'd be fun, uh, and it would be really great to see Spider-Man play the straight man. Uh, like he did. Cause I mean, Deadpool and Spider-Man had a 50 issue uh, series together. Love affair. Yeah. It was incredible uh, that they went on that long and um, you know, yeah. I mean, so the, the two characters have a lot of history together. They could definitely do something.
0: I saw a lot of Deadpool um, items in the story yesterday. Now, if people want to order
2: things you can get them for them right uh yeah so if they go to shopapotheosis.com they can find um all of anything we have in the stores on available for them but also we can order anything from marvel dc image um you know toy biz toy biz is that the the company yes uh yeah you got them uh we can we can order pretty much if it's if it's still being printed we can still order it
0: I bet that with this uh Spider-Man promotion, you will probably have three generations of people, right? Because it started when people boomer it started with the boomers and mm-hmm. then they had the millennials and then their
1: kids are now the Gen Z. So you probably No. Real. Um, no. m- millennials are now adults having babies. Right. So aren't well it's a different it's what's No, no you got you got boomers, then Gen X, then you've got millennials then you've got Gen Z, so you've got four generations of uh-huh. kids. Yeah.
2: I cool. heard there's a generation between which I think I may be, which is called geriatric millennials, which is
1: <laughs> uh, you're, you're a late, you're a late Gen Xer.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I'm born in 1980, so we're like in between the two two realms there.
0: Yeah, because um, my firstborn's 84, so he's a millennial and, and 88, so I thought
1: 85 was the cutoff for Gen X versus millennial.
2: No, yeah, I don't probably. know, but but th- 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 that that's a really good point. Though, like, yeah, you're gonna have somebody who picked up Spider-Man as a 16 year old in 1962. 1962, had a kid in the mid 80s, and then they that kid now has a grandson, or that that kid now has a son or a daughter, and uh, yeah, I mean, there could be three generations of Spider-Man fans uh, at the store tomorrow. That 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 is incredible to think about. That's really that's really great. I yeah. Like
0: so well, what are the hours at the Green Store? And then tell us about the Jefferson Store in Cherokee. Yes, yeah, so
2: we're going to be doing um, uh, it's going to be from 10 to, to noon is the pancake breakfast tomorrow. Then all day we'll be selling Spider-Man stuff and a little Spider-Man toys we'll passing out. Um, Monday is Sketch Fest over at our uh, Cherokee location where we'll have some Spider-Man themed sketching going on. So Sketch Fest, I'm sorry, Sketch Party is a uh monthly meetup on the last Monday of every month at the Cherokee store where uh, people get together and we give them prompts and they draw like the character. So it's very much entry level to, um, you know, uh, experienced artist in there. And then all week long we'll be doing different Spider-Man, like, you know, book sales and, um, mask giveaways and things like that. So a lot of, a lot of little trinkets to, to pass out.
1: Well, that will be so fun. That yeah. sounds fantastic.
2: It should be great. It, it sounds amazing, if you will. Uh, so your is, website is apotheosiscomics.com. Apotheosiscomicsstl.com, dot com. Yeah. Oh,
1: s t l. Okay. Yeah. Apotheosis. Spell apotheosis. I can spell it, but here. I will spell it. A-P-O-T-H-E-O-S-I-S comics. C O M I S C O M I C S S T L dot com.
2: Yes. And if anyone wants to know why we picked that name, it's because it's the statue in front of the St. Louis Art Museum. It was the original logo of the city of St. Louis up until the arch was created. But also in Joseph Campbell's uh, Journey of the Hero, uh, it is the point in which the hero decides to uh, uh, undergo the transformation into a hero or to return and go home. And uh, the journey ends. So it's the transformation process to become a hero.
0: That is so cool. I love that. I love it. I love the explanation of it too. Last
1: time, last time we spoke with you that did not get heard by anyone except the three of us, which was a fantastic conversation lost to time, but Mm -hmm. we talked about the best Marvel uh, pilot episode of anything that they've ever done in television, which was Ms. Marvel. Ah. And, And in Ms. Marvel, they had Jin. And now there is a movie out this week that talks about Jin, starring Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton. It's called 3000 Years of Longing, and it is one of my favorite movies of the year.
2: Oh, OK. I will tell you another genie store uh, title that's actually come out. that's has been an option for a film. A new book came out three months ago called Eight Billion Genies. And the premise of it is everyone on earth gets one genie and one wish. And it's about the calamity that ensues before that. But that is a, that is my genie recommendation story for the.
1: Well, that's, that is part of the thing in this movie. Every she's a, what is it, Lynn? A narratologist,
0: Narratologist.
1: which I don't even know if that's a real thing, but I don't either. It's, it's a
0: story. She studies storytelling.
1: And so therefore Ah. she, she knows that you know, the monkey's paw story, but she doesn't, they never say the monkey's paw, but they give examples of it. They tell, they tell the joke, uh, I wish my friends were back. So, which actually does the whole monkey's paw story in, you know, 30 seconds. But she knows that wishing causes problems and there are no safe wishes, which it, that's good for, because normally all of these wishing stories end horribly.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: But this was one of my favorite movies of the year so far. I recommend it highly. Um, uh, Tilda Swinton looks cute, which is weird for Tilda Swinton, because normally she likes playing the oddball, whether she's Orlando or she's the badass in Michael Clayton, where she won an Oscar, or she's the Sorcerer Supreme. She doesn't try to, you know, pretty herself up. But this one, she looks like a normal person and very attractive. Well, and, go yeah. Ahead.
0: Well, I, I do think that uh, the movie helps because of George Miller's amazing well, yeah, it's a George <laughs> Miller movie. Because he's so ambitious and he goes there and he's not afraid to take risks. And I mean, here's a man who not only did the Mad Max franchise, but won an Oscar for Happy Feet. Yeah. Best mm-hmm. animated feature and did the pig movie. So I love so much, babe. He he wrote he wrote, babe.
1: Yeah, wrote babe. And then he directed Babe in the City. But also he, he did Witches of Eastwick. So he's got he's got all of these things, all of those movies are blended into this movie because you've got the fantasy, you've got action, you you tell stories. And I love the fact that it features a whole bunch of actors since it takes place in Mesopotamia and Turkey and Istanbul, the
0: Ottoman empire.
1: Yeah. It takes place 3000 years ago up until like the, you know, up until now that they use people from that area that I've never heard of. And some people are like, well, they're not really actors. Yeah, that's what actually makes it really good. The girl. Well, yeah,
0: I was not as I like the movie. I'm not as enamored as Carl is because uh, what I liked about it most of all was Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba. I love that whole core relationship. I love what they bring to the parts. Um, I loved George Miller's vision and John Seale's cinematography, and it's visually stunning. It's a technical marvel, Uh, just like uh, Mad Max won six Oscars. I think it will be competitive in the technical categories. I had little issues with the script because I do think the storytelling isn't as strong for a movie about storytelling because it sprawls so much.
1: It's so meandering. It's basically a talking head story. It's like Max, our buddy Max said, it's much like uh, the before series or the uh, my dinner with Andre, because basically it's them sitting in a hotel room and then they go away to tell the, tell the stories. And also it's in several different chapters of different stages in his life. And he needs three wishes to be free and no one because as we learn, wishes go bad and he needs people to do three good wishes and they're never any good for anyone, the people making the wish or the genie. So it's it's I, I loved this movie. I enjoyed it very much. I really thought the third act was going to collapse upon itself and it did not. Well,
0: the neighbors are a hoot. The neighbors in London, her old her bigoted bitty neighbors are, are hilarious. But I could have
1: done even without them. But I I like the way the, the movie ended like it needed to end because I I just like the storytelling choices that they made
0: and well it's worth a look on and on the big screen because it is visually uh splendid it really is and
1: now now, you you have to warn some people there is a lot of uncomfortable nudity
0: yes i did say that on ktrs last night i said
1: uncomfortable nudity
0: there are long nude scenes so
1: it's not for children for of people (laughs) of a certain size but they only have women of a certain size. There's a man of an uncertain size, too, but he's not naked either. I thought that was just weird. It actually well, pulled me out of the film.
0: If you read the credits, it has, like, ten corpulent women. It has, like, corpulent <laughs> women. That's what they're called. And there's, like, oh. ten characters. But uh the uh, storytelling is fascinating. You know, it's based on in part a the book. Arabian Nights...
1: Well, that it's based on it's, based on it's based on a, a book about gin right. some short stories from 1994.
0: A.S. Byatt. She's a very famous British novelist, and she wrote The Gin in the Nightingale's Eye, 1994. And apparently George Miller's been wanting to make this into a movie for a long time. But now technology's caught up. When you first see Idris Elba, he is massive. He is giant. He comes out of this bottle in this. Huge plume of smoke Uh, It's like the smoke Monster in Lost it's so giant Smoke and he is Massive And then he shrinks to Kind of normal size
1: And he does something hilarious since he is a Djinn he can he He absorbs All of the time that he's been in the bottle Within seconds by Just sticking his hand on a television screen
0: (laughs) And he uh, Has pointy ears
1: and uh, he's not naked either.
0: No, but he gives much the- to the
1: sugar. Sh- but he does. You see his butt a lot. But it, yeah,
0: it's just Elba. I'm just saying. Okay.
1: So, Martin, did you like the way Miss Marvel ended, um, or did you think it was just another CGI battle that's leading up to something else?
2: You know, upon completion of Miss Marvel, I-, I wasn't the biggest fan because it seemed to me that the whole thing was created to get that one little end credit scene at the end. Um, it sets up the I,
1: next movie,
2: the next movie. Yeah. And I thought that, you know, based on it, there was a lot of drawn outness of the show. I, I loved the actress, um, who played Miss Marvel. I I definitely am excited to see more of her. Um, but yeah, the the battle at the end was, was kind of, uh, um, I, I will, I will say this. uh, I'm always a fan of Marvel content, but I do wish that they would either bring in more characters. That's like a perfect example of a show where Spider-Man could show up or Hawkeye's there, or even Sam Wilson is, shows up somehow. Um, and I thought that it existed a little bit too much in its own bubble for being, you know, in the area of, of, of all the other superheroes. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm excited to see what this means for Miss Marvel now. And I think that there's some kind of connection between the 10 rings and the bangles and the Eternals somehow that we're going to figure this all out. And upon kind of like taking a step back and also seeing where Marvel's going, it really does appear like they are just laying all these little seeds throughout this phase. They're going to come to fruition. Uh, in phase five, we hope. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it Although, doesn't even, it,
1: it doesn't even make sense. Cause the next, well, we don't know anything about Wakanda forever. We know nothing right. about it.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and which then fo- that's going to be, be, be followed
1: so up continue. by Ant-Man.
2: Right. Which is the end of phase four. Um, and then the start of phase five is I think is the Marvels, I think, but um, yeah, like, I think it's kind of great. We don't know where it's going. At the end of Avengers or end of Iron Man 1, we knew that they were going to go toward the Avengers. Uh, and then at the end of Avengers, we knew they were going toward Infinity Gauntlet. Now, I have no idea no. where this is going. I mean, I guess we assume it's going to go in Secret Wars, which alludes us to a multiversal battle. Or is it going to be just like the Secret Wars from the, from the 80s and it's just going to be a big fight? Like, I don't know. I mean, it could be. Um, I, I do think, though, it is amazing that. Jonathan Majors appears to be signed on for the whole thing, and you know they're going to probably going to drop him into a whole bunch of movies over the next couple phases. Um, but which version so, of, we've we've already
1: seen two versions of him.
2: Yeah, no, that's I think is great is that there could be three different versions of the same king. There could be three. There, they could do Scarlet Centurion. They could bring in um, a Mortis, which I think they did have uh, some uh, a Mortis references in Moon Knight. Uh, which Mortis, of course, Lin is who Kang first appeared as when he traveled back in time to ancient Egypt and became an emperor in, in Egypt. Uh, and the Fantastic Four fought him. Um, so maybe he'll be involved in the Fantastic Four movie in some way. I don't know. But, um, which, it, it is going, is which is going to happen sometime to down the road. Go. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, so it, no
0: it, it better be better than the first two. First two what? Uh, Fantastic yeah. Four movies. Oh,
1: oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, that, that's a, that is that is years down the road. Are
2: you talking about the Roger Corman ones?
0: I'm talking about the one uh, that was Jessica Alba. Yeah, and then oh. the one
1: in uh, the Silver Surfer with
0: uh, Miles Teller.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, that oh, one. Yeah.
2: yeah, that that was really awful. Yeah. Well,
1: well, back to Ms. Marvel. <laughs> I think it would have fallen apart if Iman Vellani was not so good as Kamala Khan.
2: Exactly right. Yeah. She was amazing.
1: She she was amazing. And I still say that that pilot, people love WandaVision, but the pilot, the very first, and even the second episode of Ms. Marvel had so much promise and so much world building in it. It was, it was a great pilot. And then of course it was six or seven episodes and you can't sustain even after the second, because what they were doing, they actually made it look, the pilot episode and a little bit of the second episode made it look like a comic book. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then they realized that they had to tell a story and hit all the beats for, you know, the Marvels. And once yeah, again,
2: no, I, I can't wait for it.
1: And once again, it ends with a CGI battle, which didn't even really have a villain.
2: Yeah, you know the thing about the CGI stuff is that it's it's now so common that you kind of you know it doesn't really make it special anymore. It might as well just be an animated movie that's done really well. I'm not uh, looking I,
1: for. I don't look forward to the ends of Marvel things because I know even Moon Knight had a CGI by it all at the
2: end. Right. Yeah. I mean, and when you, and when you look at when you look at uh, the behind the scenes of the Multiverse of Madness. It's all green screen. I mean, all of that stuff. There's no location shooting. And I guess now I understand because a lot of it's uh, that stuff was filmed during the pandemic. And so maybe you couldn't. But before that, like it, there's a, it, it's just, it's, it's too much. It, it they're actually just moving comic books at that at that point.
1: Well, I'm look. I'm looking forward. I don't know. Since we said that that this is the 30th property that's going on. How, just like in comic books, where do you jump in? Do you have to start from Iron Man? Martin, how, where, how do you tell people to jump into a comic book series that has been going around like Spider-Man for 60 years?
2: All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, here's, here's the trick here is that the best way to get into comics is you go to your comic book shop you look at the, the stands and see what's new and you pick the thing that uh, appeals to you the most and you find the cover that is the most interesting and you jump in, um, the whole point of comic books and, of uh, you know, periodical reading in general is that you can jump in at any point and then you get to go back and find the other stories that you want to read. Um, you can stop and start at any point And there's, um, really no need to worry about starting at issue one because it's going to be impossible to start with a lot of these books uh you're gonna have to do it the old-fashioned way like we all had to the first comic uh, yeah search is that you got to go back to stores you got to talk to retailers ask them if they have these issues it's a part of the fun it's a scavenger hunt of it you can get the trades if you want to but you don't yeah the hunt you don't need to read it in sequential order i I went to um, Slackers yesterday when I was in St. Charles, and I picked up volume three of some Spider-Man run that I don't have the first two volumes of because it, it's a self-contained story. I don't need it. And by this time, too, you know the basic points of the major characters. You know kind of who they are, what they're about. Um, the newer titles, they also have summaries in the beginning. So read the summaries, get caught up, and um, you're off to the races. But this is I'm why comic besties- stores are so important.
1: Are omnibuses your friend or are they your enemy?
2: They're they're an enemy to your pocketbook, but they're 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 fun if you uh, like a completionist. Omnibuses offer a lot of like making of things in the back and more of the artwork and scripts, um, you know. But um, they are they're they're heavy on your on your uh, shelves, hard to cart around, and they are hard to. Uh, Loan out to friends because you really got to truck them out. So, well,
1: no, th- I that's how I read Watchmen because I had an omnibus mm-hmm. of op. I was uh, let lent a full Watchmen. And- well, I mean,
2: but Watchmen is only twelve issues, and at most, it's going to be an extra two or three issues of extra content. But like, you know, the onslaught omnibus from X Men, Avengers in the nineties, that's fifty six issues. And right. that's a big stack, no matter what. I mean, um, I'm looking at three omnibuses on my shelf right now. Like this Thor one of from Jason Aaron, which was what uh, Thor four was based on, is 34 issues. So it's still a lot of books. Well, um, like right the,
1: there's a Buffy omnibus right now because I had every single issue of the Buffy comics, and then I got rid of them, and then I'm like, oh, I should have kept some of them, and then but then I said, oh, there's an omnibus I could just have the whole whole. Season eight,
2: but yeah, right, right.
1: They are your friend, but you're right; they are very bulky.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And not just superheroes, but you do have a Star Wars. So I'm going to transition because Carl is the biggest Star Wars fan I know, well, next to Max. Carl and Max.
1: Ah, uh, no, but well, he doesn't collect as much stuff as I do. He he just enjoys.
0: Right. Because you have quite the collection of things That's What I hear. So uh, do uh, people come in, Martin, and surprise you uh, when they tell you about their collections? Would Star Wars be the biggest one or or what's the biggest
2: franchise that people collect? Um, it's all over the place. I mean, everybody has their niche they're trying to collect. Now everyone's trying to really get on board with a lot of first appearances. Um, oh. and key issues so that's kind of a big thing but you know going back to spider-man the one collections we never get in are spider-man comics because people hold on to those because they're so close to people's really? hearts really huh. yeah we we get in x-men comics we get in uh, superman batman books um justice league runs the whole gamut but very rarely do we see spider-man collections come in the door um a lot of them are um, you know, and nowadays because of the re- recession, we're getting a lot of a lot of collections and they are they're just kind of everyone kind of keeps the issues that they want, but they sell the the filler issues. Um <laughs> and those so we get in these collections that are lacking, you know, first appearances and first issues. And it, it it's really funny because a lot of these collectors that come in, and if anyone is listening to this and thinking about selling me their collection, please listen to this. Um if you come in and tell me oh, I just found this collection or I'm trying to get rid of my collection and we start going through it and it's incredibly missing all of the important issues. <laughs> I, I know that you've gone through it. Uh, so that's why we do a lot of bulk buys for, for boxes because it's, you know, 10 cents per book, blind buy, I'll buy the, the it's, you know, uh, 25, 50, uh, 25 to 50 bucks or small small box a uh, hundred bucks for a, for a large one. And that's about it because, you know, we, we, we know that it's missing all the good stuff.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. That is a good thing to have. Well, before yeah. we let you go and get back to the Spidey verse, uh, mm-hmm. Carl, I want to wrap up that we do have another opening film this week. It's called breaking. And speaking of star Wars, it's store. It stars John Boyega. Oh,
1: he's, good. he's been talking to everyone this week.
0: Yeah, who was Finn in uh, The Force Awakens and also
1: The Last Jedi. And and, and there's also one called The Rise of Skywalker. He's in that too, where he doesn't get to tell anyone that he has a secret, and his secret is that he feels the force. Go ahead.
0: Right. So he apparently he's done with this with the Star Wars franchise. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: He but- does not feel that he was uh treated well by Disney, the fans, nor the writers. Right. But uh He's
0: not wrong. J.J. Abrams hired him because he saw his first film attack the block. Yes. And he liked him and he said, we need to put you in something. And so then Star Wars came along and that's what he did. Well, he plays a real life character in this film called Breaking. He plays John Brown. e Brian. Brian. Brown Easley, who is notorious for, in July 2017, he walked into uh, an Atlanta branch of the Wells Fargo Bank and said he had a bomb. He was uh, a Marine veteran who was having psychological and emotional issues, and the VA screwed up his disability check by, instead of depositing it in his bank account they put it towards his gi bill and so he had no money for rent or food or his estranged family he keeps up with his daughter but he's divorced from the mom and and the daughter so he feels desperate suffering from ptsd He goes and and he does not want to harm anybody at this bank, but he wants to draw attention to the plight of veterans. So he calls the he has them call the police, call the TV station. Connie Britton plays a TV producer. Michael K. Williams in his final performance plays a police hostage negotiator. And Jeffrey Donovan with his great smirk is the leader of the spot team. And uh, this is a, tra- a real life tragedy, and I won't spoil it for people well, who haven't. So, yeah. It's but- based
1: on an article that gives the, if you find out the name of the article about this is that this is based, you're spoiled right away.
0: Yeah, you know. Well, the acting is really good. In fact, it won a special jury prize at Sundance for the ensemble. And the ensemble includes uh Salinas D uh, Salinas Easley as Rosa Diaz. And the bank manager is played by Nicole Bahari as Estelle Valerie. She's very good that the, so the cast did win an ensemble award at Sundance. It is a first time director, a writer, a woman named Abby Damaris Corbin. So, I thought it was very tension filled. Some people have issues with the storytelling, but it is such strong performances and he's so good as this guy. One of the most powerful scenes is not with any dialogue. He is leaving the VA office because he's called the helpline twice. He gets a brochure from the woman behind the computer who can't help him get his $892 check gives him a brochure and they pan to the veteran affairs office, which is packed. And there's this long line and you can tell these guys have been there for a while. And that's just sad. So it makes a point about how we treat veterans in this country.
1: So, yeah. Well, to, 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 uh, make this full circle. The movie starring John Boyega was supposed to star Jonathan Majors, but he was working oh. on quantum mania at the time. So they got John Boyega. Wow.
0: Well, for this, John this week, next week we'll talk about more of the things that are streaming, but I will point out that because we had Glenn McCoy on last week, minions, the rise of grew comes out on digital Tuesday, August 30th.
1: The funny thing is they changed the ending in China. I, I wish we would have had Glenn to talk on about like the next day. China changed the ending where they uh, made where everyone who was bad went to jail and grew, went and found. They like put words that say grew, went up and grew, uh, uh, raised three wonderful daughters. So. <laughs> oh,
0: my. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. And it's going to be on uh, DVD on uh, September 6th. So it's coming up. So Glenn McCoy fans, you can uh, see the movie if you haven't. And uh, I guess we'll all be watching Poohholes try to go for the passing, surpassing Alex Rodriguez this weekend with, That's with the
1: so. Cubs and the Braves in town. Right. The Braves are in. The, 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 he's finished with the Cubs now. They the did, did a nice thing for him yesterday. And then they're the brave, the uh, world champion Atlanta Braves are in town this weekend. That's but right. But before before the baseball game, go to the comic book store A P O T H E O S I S C O M I C S S T L dot com. Find out all the information. Martin, thank you for being on with us today.
2: Yes, thank you so much. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Happy birthday, Spidey! And hope I'll see you guys this weekend. Happy anniversary,
0: Spider. Thanks. Take uh care. Also, Carl, a Sunday night's game is on ESPN 608, and the, the opposing pitcher for the Braves is Jake Odorizzi from Highland, Illinois.
1: I'll be watching the VMAs on Sunday.
0: Oh, I hear that uh, <laughs> they're going to give a, an award to the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and who is going to give it? It's somebody. Hmm. I don't know. But that's what I hear. I don't even I don't even know if there's music videos anymore. I mean, you know, like there used to be. So I'm totally not this audience for for that show. Uh, I
1: still watch the VMAs every year just because, well, one, for the performances and two, because I still think that it's going to be fun. Oh, Cheech and Chong.
2: Cheech oh, John, that's it, uh,
0: Cheech and Chong. I knew it was somebody iconic. Uh, if you are out and about this weekend, it, this is your last chance to see Shakespeare in the Park for free. A delightful Midsummer Night's Dream that is so fresh and fun, and has six people, and is directed by Trayvon Griffith, and it has original music, and it's just a delightful ninety minutes, and it is free, and it is in Clayton tonight. It is in Herman, Missouri saturday and the finale is tuesday in tower grove park because the first one was rained out there so they got permission to go back to tower grove so that is tuesday and then if you can you have to see the original incomparable bronte sister house party at the chapel
1: excellent Lynn, where can they find you socially?
0: I'm on all the socials and I am on KTRS radio every Thursday night with Ray Hartman after the 10 p.m. news. And I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times every Friday online, too. And uh, Pop Life STL is the name of my website, which features our podcast also, Carl.
1: Well, you can find me Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox Morning Show, Saturday and Sundays on Camo X on the. Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors, also on 97.1. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Carl the Intern. Have a great and, weekend, Lynn.
0: Yeah, thank you. Have a great weekend too. And go cards and also uh, hockey
1: tickets are on sale, right? Yes, they went on sale at 10 o'clock. Very cool. Bye. Bye.